Clayton. John Clayton. Hey, Mom, I'm done with my this is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. We're talking football with the professor, John Clayton, as we do every day at this time with Wyman and Bob. If you guys have questions for John, you can text them in right now, 206-421-3776. That's 421-ESPN. We'll try to get to some of your questions before we let them go for the day. Hello, John. Hi, guys. So it didn't take long for Trey Flowers to find a new gig. He has now been picked up by the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I told you it wasn't going to take too long. There's too many teams right now looking for cornerbacks because of injuries or bad play or whatever. And so so I'm not surprised whatsoever that this happened because, again, I mean, that's cornerbacks and offensive line right now are the two most injured positions. And so because of that, you know, it creates openings, and of course, Trey Flowers basically goes on the waiver wire yesterday, and he's claimed today. And of course, one of the reasons is Trey Waynes, who they paid a lot of money for in free agency last year, didn't hardly play at all last year, and has barely played this year because of injuries. So it's like uh, they get the big, tall uh, corner to replace uh, Waynes, who has pretty good size himself. So it makes sense. Do you, do you think he's got a chance to sort of uh, resurrect his career, like maybe just a different voice in his ear? Maybe some of the, maybe their coaches out there have a different approach that he could he could turn things around from who he was here in Seattle. I mean, it could. I mean, the guy had forty starts in the National Football League, and I'm sure that's what appealed to Cincinnati because he's an experienced guy. I mean, you know, he has talent, and uh, you know, he did have a great preseason. It's just that once he got into the regular season, as, as Pete Carroll says, he didn't finish. And, of course, that's the idea. It's like, hey, you can see how good he is in coverage. And so now if they can get him to get his head around a little bit quicker and finish, uh, that could work out. Also, I'm, I'm not sure if they're more of a man team or a zone team. I think they're more of a man team. But, uh, you know, even if he gets into a zone, maybe that could help him out a little bit. But, no, I, I, I wouldn't discount the chance of him coming back and doing well because the guy has 40 starts in the National Football League. How about this, too, John? Maybe put him at safety. Could be, yeah. It's funny, you know, they have him listed at Pro Football Reference still as a strong safety, hmm. which is how he was drafted out of college. But, hey, you mentioned uh, that offensive line and you said corners, corners are the yeah. two highest injuries this year. Yeah. It, it's pretty odd for offensive linemen. Aren't they, like, the most durable typically? Mm, this year it hasn't been the case. I mean, there's yeah. – yeah, because, again – I mean, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of the first round draft choices and a lot of the draft choices that came out of last year, you know, with the pandemic and you know, op- guys who opted out and guys who uh, you know played maybe three, four games as opposed to the normal twelve or so. I mean, you know, they've come in and got injured, and of course, I mean, you got you know, like Taylor Decker and you know, Frank Rank- Rankow and you know, different guys like that. You know, in Den- Detroit, uh, like even uh, Laramie Tunsil right now, he's going to miss you know what four to. Six Six weeks because of his injury so no it's just uh, it's been a tough year and I think you know so much of it has to do with the fact that most of these guys didn't have a preseason so now what happens mm-hmm. is you get into the regular season and you know what it is and you know how much I track the Achilles and mm-hmm. I track the uh, ACLs and all that stuff you get into the regular season and once you get past week one the injuries start mounting up so I'm not surprised at all <clears throat> but you know there has been an increase in missed starts and I haven't got the exact number yet because I'm back I'm basically behind on my database numbers I hope to catch up here in the next three days <clears throat> but uh, you know we'll see but you know, in the end there's like there's a lot of guys missing right now who are on the offensive line 
Well, quit screwing around, John. You got to get on your databases. What's the matter with you? I know. Well, I've, I've... <laughs> you got to have some playtime too, John. Mm. Hey, uh, what was I going to ask you? Oh man, I'm sorry, Bob. It was seemed there, to be there, pressing, there, and then I got distracted. Well, well here, I'll, there, I'll, there, did the Drew Brees contract? I was going to ask you about the Drew Brees contract. in the San Diego Chargers. He's playing for the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He usually he he did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Hey, well, I'll ask, and you go you ahead think of what your question was. I will. Uh, we we were talking about this earlier, John, that the Washington football team is going to retire uh, Sean Taylor's number 21 jersey, which I think he's is certainly worthy of that, mm-hmm. and that's great. I'm just curious about the timing of it. Do you think this is uh, something maybe they they sped this up because they want to, you know, they want this to be the news around the team rather than, you know, everything that led to the Gruden situation and everybody going, well, hang on a minute. This was an investigation into what was going on with Dan Snyder and everything else. And we're not hearing anything about that. Is this do you think maybe they sped this up a bit? In part, but again, I'm not, that one I don't have a problem with because, again, it's like uh, this is a, a good name for a good cause. I know that his family uh, was all looking forward to coming in for this weekend or whenever it was. And so, no, I think I think that's a good thing because, again, I mean, here's a guy that played really hard. I mean, he was certainly one of the best safeties that the Washington football teams ever had. And unfortunately, you know, with his early death that, uh, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to be able to go ahead and enjoy his career and he couldn't enjoy his career so no I think this is okay I mean still the big problem is you look at the Washington football team and nothing's happened I mean the, I mean the only the only people implicated in this has been Adam Schefter and John Gruden and it's like they don't even work for the team it's like yeah. what are we yeah. doing well and you hear about the number of emails that that you know that were retrieved yeah. and 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 this gets leaked out. The John Gruden stuff gets leaked out there. However, it got leaked out. Nothing about the team and the original investigation. Are we going to see what what is transpired within the Washington football team's procedures and how they were treating employees and things like that? Do you think any of that gets leaked out? Why only the John Gruden stuff? Well, I mean, uh, what I wonder about how the investigation is being structured. I, I saw one thing today. I don't know if it's true, but I don't think they've talked to the uh, 70 women, the NFL. How can you not talk to the women? I mean, they're the ones, you know, and I know that they have the internal investigation, which, of course, is going to be more cover-up than, you know, cover-over. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's like that one I don't get. It's like, what are we talking about here? It's like, you know, the, the wash, I mean, the environment was horrible. Now you've got the emails, you know, of uh, now you got even I think coaches were sending emails <clears throat> of naked uh, cheerleaders out to different people. You know, around the league or wherever, Jeez. and then you know, you know that uh, there was exchanges between uh, Bruce Allen and John Gruden with you know naked uh, cheerleaders or at least one naked cheerleader, and, which is insane. But again, the environment was as bad as you can ever find. And are they going to get away with this? Seems like it for now, anyway. For now, yeah. I mean, how what's this been going on for two years? Yeah. Hey, uh, Sean Taylor, John, you know, I, I'd forgotten the, the whole story. He, he was in Miami in his mm-hmm. home. It must have been, was it a bye week? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so he was shot by intruders yeah, in his home. Yeah, invasion. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And, you know, that's why he only played nine games. But that's why, that was, you know, a huge dramatic thing. I mean, this guy was only 24 years old. He's in his fourth year. I mean, and I, I don't know, how much do you remember about him as a player? I mean, he... Gosh, you look at the 12 interceptions yeah, in, yeah. in four years, and actually it's three and a half years. So, yeah, pretty amazing player. Yeah, I, I looked at him, 
in two ways, kind of a, a bigger version of Bob Sanders, the old Indianapolis Colts safety, mm-hmm. and kind of the uh, you know uh, an uh, uh, interception type of guy for like uh, you know Cam Chancellor. So again, because yeah. you know, Sean Taylor's big thing was hitting people because yeah. he hit people hard. And uh, that's why he was so popular, and it's, a, it's such a shame that they, they lost him because, again, he was having such a great career, uh, particularly with the interceptions and everything else. You know, because Bob Sanders, even though he was, what was he, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and all yeah. that stuff, was a big hitter too, but he was so small that it eventually caught up to him. But yeah. in the case of uh, you know Sean Taylor, he had a big enough body that it was not going to be a problem. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, too. He's listed as a, as a free safety. But, yeah. But, you know, the fact that you're right. I mean, he was, he was 230 pounds. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. But, I mean, yeah, he definitely showed the way he hit people. But, you know, the 12 interceptions, it's not like that's all, you know, just a, a ton. But, I mean, for a guy that's known as more of a hitter. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he had five of them in nine games. So, anyway. Yeah, but also, I mean, you can look at, uh, you know, uh, certainly Quandre Diggs. And, you know, he's not real big. But, and he, he gets interceptions and he gets turnovers and that, but he's a big hitter. He's a hitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, he doesn't make as many big hits as Sean Taylor used to do. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, I mean, you are talking about this is a little bit of a different era from the time that he played. So, you know, there's been obviously changes in the game that may have limited that ability. But, again, what what a, what a great player he was. Yeah. All right, I remembered my question because you were talking about all the injuries and yeah. you said no preseason. Do you think teams are going to consider reconsider that for next year? And, and you know, I, I I feel like Pete is one of those guys that he's pretty much decided no preseason. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if other teams will. Not only because it takes a while to get things ramped up, but also just because, uh, like you said, I, I do think that there is. I mean, the only way to get in football shape is to play football. Right. So, what do you think? Ha. Uh... You know, I think there'll be some changes. Now, the big question is, is the league going to stay with three preseason games? Now, knowing that, uh, you know, they're, they're not, not going to take a paycheck away from the owners and take away a preseason game where they can get revenue, that probably is not going to happen. But I have to think more coaches have to think about it. Because, I mean, you think about the way this season is going to go. And, you, you know, again, part of this for uh, Pete Carroll has to be how this season finishes. Because if this season finishes bad, then, of course, uh, you've got probably a lot of changes to make on the roster. And if you're going to make a lot of changes, you better get these guys out on the field playing football. And so that may allow him to go ahead and use more, uh, you know, use more guys and use more starters and all that stuff. But, you know, so much of this, even though Pete's not the young coach, is the young coaches. The young coaches, particularly those who are offensive minded, think this is the best idea to do. But naturally, I also look at the fact that I think this is going to be a big year for coaching changes. We've already had one, and we're waiting to see when Urban Meyer gets his. Urban <laughs> Meyer. And so it's like, Will that be the happiest day of your life? No. No? no. One of them? It would it be would it have been if if his agent were Mark Rogers, then it would be your yeah. No, the happy, happy. happiest day was marrying Pat. Oh, and, okay. And the second happiest was getting indicted. Not indicted, but indicted. Well, John, whoa, whoa. Get, get, get indicted, <laughs> in, indicted by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Indicted. Uh, yeah, John, I didn't know you were in legal trouble at no, all. Yeah, he's had, had a no checkered idea. past. No, 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 but it was great. Yet uh, on Sunday, because David Baker, who runs the uh, Hall of Fame, uh, was there, and so he was able to come over 
over and say hi. His wife's a big fan of mine. And so that was great. We took pictures together and everything else. So that was kind of a wonderful experience. And for whatever reason, David thinks I'm you know, one of the best voters of the 48 voters that we have. So it's kind of flattering to have that uh, kind of honor. And by the way, news update, news update. Okay, what is it, John? Uh, DirecTV. And? No go. I've lost all my uh, recordings for 12 years. Man. Every single one. Now, again, they were able to send somebody over to the house. And, uh, I, you know, it's like I, I won't get into the specifics of you know, the, the, the company because there's a change in what's happening in direct TV that ultimately I think can be a good thing. Uh, because basically what it's coming down to is direct TV is going to be uh, direct TV and direct TV only. It's not going to be tied into AT&T or anything like that. And, you know, if you go back in history, uh, when direct TV was on its own, it was great. It was absolutely great. And so uh, now it's still a matter of getting through the, the sale and everything else. But uh, no, I've lost uh, you know my enshrinement in the my indictment in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I've lost that. Uh, I've lost everything that I have taped for myself from ESPN. You know, I've lost all the ESPN shows that I cherished. Pat lost every uh, movie that she's recorded through the years. You know, more than 150 were lost, but they cannot bring them back. And for those who say, well, why don't you back them up? DirecTV doesn't have any backup service. There's nothing you can do. You can't put them on iCloud. You can't do anything. Mm. Man. Well, you know, I think we all need to go back to VHS. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Dave's got a stock of them he hasn't used yet. Some yeah. some blank unopened VHS well, he, he, he also has a, he also has a dial up phone, and I know he has one TV in the house that's black and white. Yeah, I, yeah, and I have an answering machine also. Mm-hmm. And he's got a fax machine, and yeah, he's got all of that. And then I got cans with the string in between. John. <laughs> there you go. A, he's got we were a better flip phone. I'm telling you, we got this fancy refrigerator at our house that breaks down like every two months. And the one from like 30 years ago, what's it called? A Frigidaire or a Hot Point or something? Instead of the digital readout, it says cold, colder, coldest. (laughs) And it never. Yeah, a little knob (laughs) never breaks down. The there one that's go. all digital and fancy and everything, that thing breaks down every like like it's like every six months mm-hmm. it will the, the freezer will just stop working. That's not good. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> like I, I'd say we need to go back to uh to the Stone Age as far as technology goes. <laughs> We'd all be happier, John. Yeah. John, I asked you uh, on the heels of everything that went on with uh, you know, Russell getting hurt and Gino being thrown in there, what your confidence level is. Now we're getting closer. Has that changed at all, or is it a matter of, hey, we need to see what this – because to me, it's yeah, the big story is Russell. He's out yeah. for the first time since 2012. It really – they were struggling with Russell. They were – you know, the offense was struggling to put two halves together. The defense was a disaster. So I don't even know if it really matters if, if Geno plays the game of his life or if he's just adequate. If the defense is going to play the way they have – it's not going to matter. They're going to lose. Yeah, I mean, again, they're averaging like 25 points a game scoring, but they're giving up much more than that, and they're giving up 454 yards plus a game. And so it's like, if that's going to happen, and again, I still go back to what Peyton Manning educated me early in his career. He says, hey, if you have a defense that gives up 27, 28 points, and you're the quarterback, you're in trouble, because what ends up happening is that you have to come out, and you have to almost make every possession like a touchdown possession. It's not a matter that you can settle for field 
field goals because if you go to field goals with a team that gives up touchdowns, then you're going to lose. And also what ends up happening is that you have to take more chances. And when you take more chances, what ends up happening is you get more turnovers. And so, uh, you know, and so that's that's the reality. And so uh, now we'll see. You know, Pittsburgh has a very good defense. I mean, they got good corners. They got good pass rush. You know, their defensive line is really good, and that's going to be a struggle. But uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, you know, John, they really do have a good defense. And and also remember, no Stephon to it. Mm-hmm. That dude is a monster, and he had eleven sacks last year as an inside guy. But you're right about their defense. Now the numbers don't reflect it because right now they're they're fifteenth. Number 15, mm-hmm. they're giving up 361 total yards. By the way, that's 140 less than us. Uh, and then the pass yards, 210, they're number 19. They're number 9 against the run, number 10 points. But they, I'll tell you what, as far as you look at T.J. Watt, and I think he's been in and out, I, I feel like he's an absolutely premier player. You agree? Oh, no, let's put it this way. I think everybody agrees because he's now the highest-paid defensive player in NFL history at yep. $29.2 million. And, and I think you got, he, missed, he missed one game. Yeah, okay. He missed one game, but you know maybe some lack of continuity. They have mm-hmm. Mel- Melvin Ingram, pretty good pass rusher. They got Cameron Hayward. I think Devin Bush is, is really good. Joe Schobert, but then you know they also have uh, Joe Hayden right. and, and Minka Fitzpatrick. So, I mean that's a that's a lot of names. I mean that's a that's a very talented defense there in Pittsburgh. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And uh, I mean you, you can see that they're well coached. You know, Mike Tomlin does a great job with them, and uh, you know they know what they're doing. And you know they don't blitz as much as say Baltimore does, but they'll blitz when the, when it's necessary. But whatever it is, they don't necessarily have to blitz because they get good pressure on the quarterback uh, and good run stopping ability. And again, you're right. When Tua comes back, they're going to be that much better. But also, I mean, t- take a look at you know they've had you know some tough games to start out with. I mean, they had to play Denver, and you know they had to play Buffalo. On well, the they're road. two toughest teams. They they beat yeah i know you know they yeah they go to buffalo win by the way block punt john block punt mm-hmm. in that game that one was for a touchdown for the steelers but what is it like 90 percent? you win you block yeah. a punt you win the game yeah pretty much yeah but no those two teams i mean they that's the scary thing about them they're two and three mm-hmm. and they they beat two the the two best teams yeah four and one and, and three and two the only big sin is losing to cincinnati at home that yeah was bad that that should not have happened yeah, because the at the time the Raiders, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, Raiders had a good game going in there, and now we'll see where they're going to be without John Gruden. You think the Ra- or the Rams, the Lions can get their first win of the season against the Bengals this no. weekend? No, I don't. No? no, they're at home. Yeah, they're they're favored. Oh, no, yeah. they're not favored. I'm no, just kidding. No. Uh, <laughs> the kneecap biters, he's going to cry again. I think. Well, yeah, yeah, because again, now they have to go against Trey Flowers. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> you might as well just not even play the game. you got uh, no you, chance. There, well, there's no hope. Hold on. It's Jared Goff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I would say Trey Flowers could get at least three interceptions. Goff's in played all right. For a team that's not very good, I think he's had a, a decent season, hasn't he? I haven't really – I looked at his numbers after the first couple games. It well, he like hasn't he been fired or anything. You know, but. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, some of, some of those numbers came against San Francisco when San Francisco lost all their defensive backs, and all of a sudden San Francisco is sitting there with a 38-10 to 10 lead, and the next thing you know, you know, Goff – goes against the non-cornerbacks and, uh, you know, puts up to a point where he gets 33 points. He got like 23 points in the second half. 
He's got a quarterback rating of 91. He's, uh-huh. he's completing just about 67% of his passes, seven touchdowns, good. three picks. So he's, That's he's, not bad. He's all right. He's not, not bad. No, I mean, he's not, and he, he wasn't a bad quarterback with the Rams, except that, uh, you know. Well, they got to a Sean, Super Bowl with him. Yeah, and then yeah. Sean, Sean McVay turned to hating him in the last year. He really did. Yeah, that happened fast, too. It, it yeah. was really, really fast. You know, there was a lot of defending him. Mm-hmm. He got to the Super Bowl with him, and then all of a sudden it just fell apart. Well, and the weird thing was, it was like right after... I remember the, the look that he had on his face on the Green Bay Packer sidelines, on the sidelines of that game, when after the, the Rams beat us, you could tell Sean McVay was just done with him, but like he came back and played with a surgically repaired thumb. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of weird. I felt like Sean McVay got mad at him at the point where I at most admired him. Yeah, showing some toughness and yeah. getting out there. Yeah, but how about how about that game, week 16 game against the Rams? You know, in that game, of course, they had John Wolford at quarterback starting because he was so sick of Jared Goff. And, of course, uh, Jared Goff, you know, ends up getting the thumb injury and all those different things. Then, sure enough, Wolford gets hurt, and, uh, you know, they have to put uh, you know Goff in the game. And he so he went over to his offensive coordinator and says, you 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 call plays for a while. I'm sick of this guy. I can't do it. And so he had to take you know a whole bunch of time and call plays. And then eventually McVeigh started getting back to calling plays with Goff. But I mean, he just basically hated him. Jeez, that that went south quickly. Yeah, that's no good. No, John, we appreciate it. We'll talk tomorrow. All right, sounds good. There you go. If you missed any of today's cold hard facts, brought to you by Coors Light, made to chill. Just download the podcast at Seven Ten Sports. Coming up, what is it like to block for a new quarterback? Seahawks tackle Brandon Shell talks about that. He joins us next in our player spotlight with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle.